Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finnern, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. And today is Thursday, November the 4th, and we gather around the inspired and true Word of God and put on our Christ goggles in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Now, chapter 7 is beginning really now until the very end, where we have, a mis- it says, miscellaneous pithy sayings of wisdom that come rapid fire. And it, it comes at us with these short statements, much like the book of Proverbs, which tell us the truth of the world, the reality that is there. And as we continually see throughout Ecclesiastes, it assumes that there is faith in God and the Lord Yahweh who came, who has, who has come and will come to save you from your sins. And in here, it's good for us to ponder. You can look at it. There's some things we don't fully know the full meaning, but most of it we can figure out as we look at the rest of Scripture. So today, not only do we gain wisdom, but the wisdom comes from the wise one, which is Christ our Lord. So today the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thy Strong Word is graciously underwritten by our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation. For more information on their great work around the world, visit lhfmissions.org, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we welcome regular guest Reverend Curtis Dieterding of Zion Lutheran Church in Fort Myers, Florida. Pastor Dieterding, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Good to be back. Thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, looking forward to our time together in God's Word today as we uh, try to contrast wisdom and folly uh, according to uh, what we hear in these verses. So, And it's one of those things, you hear that and you go, well, I hope, hopefully I am wise. <laughs> and but, <laughs> but it also is a reality that in order to be wise, we have to kind of look at our foolish things that we do. And that's what uh, Solomon does so beautifully here. But today, first, give me to this, Pastor. What's going on for you, your family, and the work of the saints at Zion? Oh, it, it, it's been wonderful, actually. I mean, we've just, uh, we're, getting re- we're getting ready to celebrate our 50th anniversary of our congregation this next year. And the 50th anniversary celebration actually happens the very first Sunday of uh, of 2022. So, nice. and in fact, the day, the actual day, that, that Sunday, January 2nd, is exactly to the day 50 years. So, uh, we're going to be very blessed to actually have the very first pastor who was sent here when it was a, a mission congregation and uh, started the church. So, he's going to actually be the preacher that day. And that's Pastor Timothy Fangmeyer, in case anyone might know that name. Uh, who's now retired, but uh, we're we're glad that that he's able to come and to be part of our special celebration. So, well, what a wonderful uh, opportunity to to celebrate! It makes you sometimes it's mind boggling for me to think about how people, the saints of old, said we're going to start a church, and they just did. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of work, there's a lot of time, but it's almost like they just gathered the crowd and said. We value this so much. We want to hear the Word of God. We want this to be there for future generations. And and you pray for the same boldness that they had. So um, other activities you're planning with this 50th besides uh, Pastor Fangmeyer coming back? Well, we really wanted to, to do some other things, but uh, we weren't sure where we were going to be in relationship to what's been going on in our world over the last couple of years. So we're just going to celebrate just through a, a worship celebration that day and uh, just enjoy all the saints that come back to visit with us here and uh, to celebrate with us. Those who, you know, we're trying to hopefully get as many people that actually 
attended here over the years uh, that are now maybe back up north or somewhere else to come back and and celebrate with us. But that's it, and we hoped that throughout the year we would be able to also invite other pastors who have served here um, to come and uh, to to help us celebrate that that wonderful year as well. And we've got other things going on, of course, throughout the year uh, that we're that we're planning. Uh, but we got to kind of keep it on hold until we can figure out just what we can do, you know, as we move ahead. So. Well, I mean, the, the big thing will be: Will you be able to have Jello at one of these gatherings? I mean, that's yeah. going to be the big question. Um, I was kidding; I'm joking. So, well, <laughs> reminder reminder to our listeners to pray for our congregations as they go through these celebrations. You see these year of jubilees in Scripture, as we saw in Leviticus. You see these other times where people celebrated what the Lord had done, gathering from the nations, coming to Jerusalem, coming to worship. It was a a time of joy, and that is a time that we pray for Zion, Lutheran, and Fort Myers. And so, Pastor, it is a joy for us to be in God's Word this morning. So can you begin our time um, asking the Lord's blessings in prayer? I would be delighted. Let us begin. Gracious God, as we come before you this day, uh, we know that you come to us as well. You come to us in your word, and we pray that that word would continue to help us to not only grow in the grace that we have in your son Jesus, but to grow in the understanding of our relationship with you and and what it means to live as a child of God. Today, as we study the contrast of wisdom and folly, we pray that you would make us wise to see our folly, that we might... uh, repent and be able to be before your throne, knowing that you, in your grace, forgive us and uh, help us to continue to grow in the wisdom uh, that begins with uh, our relationship with you. We pray that you would bless us this day by the power of your Spirit. This we all pray in the one who died and rose for us, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. If you have any questions concerning Ecclesiastes chapter 7 today, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, or call us, 314-821-0850, 314-821-0850. Pastor, as we begin the the latter half of Ecclesiastes, it really is Dr. Bolhagen in his commentary just talked about chapter 7 begins um, almost like it's Proverbs again. He's coming back to Proverbs, uh, where there's all these pithy statements, which are all God's Word. They all fill us with the Holy Spirit. They point us to Christ. Um, but they're short, and they can be interpreted many different ways. So we always have to go through it slowly and um, confidently, knowing that this is truth that the Lord has given to us. So, Pastor, Chapter 7, I'm really looking forward to this, because we're going to go verse by verse just to kind of break it down. How do you want to begin as we look at this wonderful chapter? Well, I just want to begin that, uh, you know, what we where we started, actually, in our conversation a little bit earlier, you know, what's what's wise, what's folly? Um, do we actually recognize what that looks like in our lives? Um, you know, and, and and when we hear that word wise, you know, we think of probably not ourselves all the time. We probably think of others who seem to have, you know, a lot of wisdom and good retention, uh, very intellectual. I mean, that's what we think of when we think of wisdom. But we're going to learn a little bit about wisdom here today that that, uh, hopefully will expand our wisdom to to understand it a little bit more, but then also to identify that things that we might think are are wise and good and and, uh, beneficial for us, 
may not be at all. And so that's, that's, I think, where we need to start, just kind of thinking about as we're listening to each of these. And it's going to be odd because some of the things that we hear uh, – don't seem to make sense. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so it right. makes me wonder if I follow, you know, f- uh, fall on the side of uh, foolishness and not really understanding why uh, God's Word is telling us these things. So it's it's going to be challenging. It's going to be a challenge for us today. Well, let's dig in then. Um, we are reading, or we are studying Ecclesiastes chapter 7. We'll be reading from the English Standard Version. And literally, I think we will go verse by verse this morning as as a Solomon contrasts wisdom and folly of chapter 7. A good name, Solomon says, is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of birth. Now let's stick with the first part, because the second part can be quite trying. The first part is, a good name is better than precious ointment. What is it? I mean, this is probably obvious, but what, what is he saying? Well, we understand that a good name would mean that you, it was, we're talking about a reputation here. And, uh, you know, basically, is a good reputation better than having good, you know, a lot of possessions, a, a lot of precious rich, riches, you know? So uh, what's the most valuable in our life should be, at least in our minds, should be uh, a good reputation re- rather than uh, making a name through uh, what we own and what we possess. And the hard part is you hear that is reputation is to be built basically throughout our whole lives. And it can be torn apart in a a second or a moment in our lives. Mm -hmm. And so you read that and boy, I I don't feel wise, first of all, but it also is a realization of, of the need for grace because maybe I don't have the best reputation with some people. You know, that there are those situations where we don't, and that's why we need grace. So right away, I'm like convicted by the law, because yes, that's a good idea, but Lord have mercy. You know, how, how do you build that up when we have those moments we all do in our lives? Any thoughts on, on how this kind of hits us, verse 1? Yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, it gets us to thinking more about uh, life, not, not just based on what it is that we possess, but on what it actually uh in our life, you know, what we actually possess as far as uh, how people see us, how they uh, uh, know us, um, that, is, that is so much more uh, valuable than, than anything we could ever own. And I, I believe that's what uh, the thought is here. Um, and then uh, the second part of that uh, verse also yeah, is yeah. Uh, very interesting as well. So how that, would you unpack that? Because he's saying the day of death... <laughs> is is better than the day of birth, which I would say that's t- completely counter in how we think of in our culture. So how would we, and there's wisdom here. So, so what do you think? I think that I had warned everybody about this <laughs> at the very beginning, that, that there's going to be some strange things said in here. This is one of them, you know, I mean, uh, how can the day of death actually be better than the day of birth? Because that's exactly what it says here. And so you have to think, I think, uh, a little bit more deeply about uh, not just looking at what death itself is and what birth itself is. It's looking at, at, at the beginning of life, you know, the start of our life, and then at the end of our life. Um, you know, the day of birth, there's not, you haven't experienced life at all. By the time that, you, that you've died, you not only have you experienced life, 
but your relationships in life are going to be extremely important. And so we need to look continually at the future and where we're going and where we're heading. I I, I believe that that's kind of the, the idea going on here. Um, I mean, we we all rejoice in the day of birth. Don't get me wrong. That that's mm-hmm. that's uh, that's true. But I don't know that it's basing itself on rejoicing and sorrow as much as it is in the past and in the future. That's that's the way I look at this. And I and I think, boy, that makes a lot of sense if you look look at it in that framework. And I know what I read as well is that understanding of when someone is born they have a lot of pain that they're going to experience the rest of their lives, whether it's relationally, physically. It's the beginning of pain is one proverb that I read. Mm-hmm. And, and death is the end of pain. And, mm-hmm. of course, we have to be careful. And I like how you, how you put that, too, because it really points to a future um, as opposed to an end. And, and this is where, as Christians, obviously death is a time that we know that person in Christ is with him, with Jesus. And so Philippians 1 speaks very explicitly about this. And so there is that dynamic as well that, and and also it does not say there is no grief, you know, it doesn't say, oh, there's nothing but parties that are going on when someone dies, but it does give us a very clear understanding of that there's a future that I think, I I really like how you put that as well. And yet, I I mean, well, yeah, we talk about our memorial services, we talk about our funeral services as a celebration of life, of the new life, of the eternal life of of the one who has passed on. When we know that uh, they've been confessing their their faith in Christ Jesus. Um, so there is a time of celebration at that point. And so it's a day that you can actually look forward to because it is the beginning of life with, with, uh, with our Lord forever. Good so th- that's verse one. Um, so I'm ready for verse two. What do you, what do you, do you have anything else? Yeah, let's go ahead and dive into All the right. next one. All right. It's just verse as exciting. <laughs> it is just as exciting. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. So, well, I'll let you begin, because I have a few thoughts, but I want to to see how you uh, set the tone here a little bit, because, you know, you're like, well, wait a second, I I don't go to a house where everyone's crying, I want to go to a house where everyone's happy. But he's speaking about it almost better, the opposite way once again. Yeah, and this is and this is interesting because this is really, I think, connected back to verse one. You know, as far as the death and birth, mm-hmm. and here we've got, um, you know, the mourning and feasting. Not not really matching up to birth that much, but but the 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 joy of it all. You know, we think in terms of joy and sorrow, and so it's better to go to the house of mourning. That's definitely talking about sorrow and and actual mourning, and. Uh, and and yet it's it's again it's pointing to an event of time in our life which is death i mean that's when we mourn and so it's better to go to the house of mourning again you know just like we like we were talking about before uh uh all of this life this uh, the trials that we have and everything that that goes on here comes to an end and we know what that means for the one who's died in the faith Rather than to go to the house of feasting and just kind of case Sarah living from day to day uh, without much thought about the future. Again, I'm looking in future and past as well, uh, looking uh, ahead, um, just kind of, uh, you know, going for all the gusto now that we can rather than uh, to really look at what's ahead and to really know. I, I, there's much more wisdom in that. Um, 
and that's that's the first part there, because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. and then the next part does connect back to uh, this whole thought again, because for the for this is the end of all mankind. Um, the, you know, there is a time of looking at the end of all mankind. We know that to be Judgment Day, the day that uh, the the world will end. Um, at least this world as we know it, and the, and the new world uh, will be uh, will definitely be in place. And um, and I like it. It says the living will lay it to heart. Well, they're going to know. You know, on that day, they're going to they're going to see uh, just um, how is it that we spend our time. You know. And again, I I think we're still being pushed into the future. We really need to think about what's ahead to really know. Uh, that's what a wise person would do. I think they're they're looking at what's coming ahead and not just living in the moment. Yeah, and the end there really does. What what will my legacy be? And that's a good question for us as Christians. You know, what what legacy will I leave for my kids? Not monetarily necessarily, even though that is a generosity that is there as well. But really, you know, how am I going to be remembered? What are ways that I served others? Not necessarily is my name on a plaque, but is you know, did I serve people? Did I love people? Did I did I care for those that God put in front of me? Is really how. Um, is good for us to reflect upon for the living uh, because there is a future. Uh, even in death, there is still a future. And I wanted to, I want to highlight this in verse two is I think, I think to funerals as a, not as a pastor, but as a, a human being, you know, visiting a, a family member or other loved ones at a funeral, that there is a, there's a fruitfulness in attending that funeral not only in the service itself, where you hear the precious news of, of Christ's death and resurrection, and therefore we have hope of when there is death, there is a resurrection in Christ, is, is the, the time that you spend when you walk into a house where there's a funeral, you aren't, you aren't faking it. You know, you're not faking joy. You're not, you know, you are, you're being real. What people want to do is be together, that you're able to connect with people you're not normally able to connect with. And so there is that reality that if you go to a party, you can fake it. You can fake it all night. You can make it sound like everything is this perfect and go home. Just you're not at all. But there people are able to share grief with one another in an open and honest way. And then obviously we also see that hope that happens when, when, when Christ is proclaimed um, um, very clearly. So I was thinking a lot about that. Any thoughts on, on that and the fruitfulness that happens when there is a funeral of a loved one or friend? Yeah, that's really interesting that you say that. You know, uh, I don't know if you've noticed it at, in your own um, ministry there, uh, but whenever you have, and I'm sure you do, but whenever you have people that you know are not as connected to the church and whose faith seemed to be waning um, and the family was not as connected, and, and of course all the relatives around them have, have either left the faith or just... Uh, have not stayed connected with the church and with the families within the church. Um, a lot of times the grief seems to be so heavy. Uh, there's not as much laughter and joy and celebration uh, the, together as families and friends, uh, but a lot more tears and, and, and sometimes even wailing uh, compared to those who have lost loved ones that they know were very faithful um, and they were part of that uh, that joy of, of of living God's life together, and uh, it just seems to be a different 
um, a, a different way of celebrating for those. I mean, and, and, I mean, out, outright laughter and uh, remembrances that they can cherish for the rest of their life of the one that who died, uh, especially if they've been a, a, a true servant of Christ. And I'm not saying that, that I'm not even hinting that we that we uh, you know. Um, in any way say that the good works of these individuals is what brought them into the eternal life that we believe uh, is is solely in Christ Jesus but but at the same time we can celebrate those things and some mm-hmm. sometimes we get to hear those we get to hear people share about uh, all the joys that they had together with that individual when they were living here in this world and uh, it's always uh, always good to hear especially those those things that are good and and righteous and and things that God had created as fruit in their lives so so as we look at this in verse 3 kind of uh uh dovetails on what we just said and so verse 3 excuse me yeah verse 3 is what we'll we'll get to he says, sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face, the heart is made glad. Speak about a countercultural verse in Holy Scripture, um, because he's, he's uplifting sorrow or grief, and he's uplifting and acting as if when we have, you know, tur- not turn that frown upside down, but basically that frown is making your heart go upside down, you know, the other way. And so you're like, what is, what is happening here? How would yeah, you this explain would, this? This, would, this wouldn't make a very good poster for the wall. I don't think, you know, <laughs> it's like, we kind of throw people off a little bit. Not even sure what the picture would look like, but, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but actually when you look at this, the picture that would be on the wall would be one of one, maybe kneeling uh, before the cross of Christ. Uh, one who is has recognized um, their sin, one who has recognized uh, that um, they have fallen short of God's glory, and repentance is a good thing. It is a better thing than to not repent. And, and if you're looking in terms of sorrowful repentance, um, it, you start looking at this more in a spiritual light. It makes a lot of sense, and it makes uh, it, it surely has. Uh, nothing but truth in it, because then it says, for by sadness of the face, the the heart is made glad, especially a heart uh, that has been uh, made wise by the Word of God that knows that there is forgiveness and grace and mercy from God, and that should bring true joy to one's heart. So I I think it's a beautiful picture, really, of, of where one who is wise in in god's word and in and in his uh in his word to us i think this is a, a very true statement uh for the one who is recognizing that they need god's grace and mercy so definitely um, the, the word confession is good for the soul that you hear people will say um i think really hits home here and the same way, you know, as we uh, will sing in, in our liturgy, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me, showing me that when there is repentance, that is when he gives us a new heart in Christ. And and that definitely, I saw a repentance theme in here as well. Um, not necessarily, okay, now you have a frown, now your heart is happy. It's not, you know, not like this, you know, one, two, three steps, but it definitely shows in repentance 
in looking at the world for what it really is, not trying to put frosting, I think I said this uh, yesterday, not trying to put whipped cream on dirt and making sound like the dirt's going to taste good now, <laughs> but to look at it for what it really is and then to be able to see the, 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 um, the brokenness of our Lord Jesus in the midst of that and the repentance, we know that we will get a new heart now and in the future. So really looking at the world in realism as opposed to... Um, uh, fatalism without faith is kind of the way that we would speak. So I, there's a lot there in verse three. I think that, that we could really pull a lot out of that. But anything else you have before we move on? Yeah, well, I think that I think that verse three, and and of course, you know, we, you and I have both worked ahead. I think verse three connects very well with verse four. I think they both mm-hmm. are. If you think in the ter- in terms of repentance, uh, these uh, the truth of these verses, I believe, uh, come to light. So let's look at verse 4. We have about three minutes left before our break, and we'll try to unpack this one before. Verse 4. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. Now, first of all, I'm going to ask this because mirth is not a word I've used very often. How would you define mirth, Pastor? Uh, I've always understood it to be like uh, gladness or laughter, um, yep. <laughs> almost uh, almost boisterous, you know, you know, in in just you know, live and let live kind of kind right. of, uh, of laughter, really. So yeah, that's the way I've always understood mirth. So tell to, us about it in this, in this verse. Tell us about because this, like you say, three and it connects to verse two as well. What do you have? Well, I, 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 again, you know, if we're looking at this in terms of our spirit and our spiritual life, um, you know, just to kind of laugh things off and not really be sorrowful over them and, 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 and uh, really actually embracing things that we probably shouldn't embrace and just go, going about life that way without, uh, you know, humbling ourselves and being able to see uh that we definitely are in need of a, of a Savior, that we truly have, uh, like I said earlier, you know, fallen short of the glory of God through what we've done and what we've said. Um, that's where the beginning of wisdom is, 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 is being able to have that recognition so that we can get the garbage out of the relationship and then really experience mm-hmm. the joy that can be there, uh, you know, get, get that sin away. Um, you know, sometimes uh, I've seen people try to to move move on without ever uh, taking care of a sin that's been so divisive between them. Uh, just thinking maybe laughter will just kind of you know cure everything, and we'll just move on and just kind of right. let it let it go. And it doesn't. It works exactly the opposite. It gets infected. You know, it's like an infection. It's like if you you know you know you've been wounded and you leave that infection, it'll it could eventually kill that relationship. And so it's like. There's a lot here. There's just so much in these verses uh, when it comes to mourning and death and, and you know, if you think in terms of sin leading to death, you know, and all of those things. If you, if you really tie all of that in, these verses make a lot of sense, and you can see the wisdom that's in these verses. And one of the thoughts I have, too, is when it comes to friendship, and this is more of a secular view, when it comes to friendship, there's some people that you can laugh with them for hours upon end, and you leave and you realize that nothing really happened. Like you didn't learn anything <laughs> more about that individual. They didn't ask you about your life. But the friends that you have where you can share um, your struggles um, and your joys, of course, 
where you can lament with them and and they really have seen the best and worst of you, but yet they're still to be your friend. And that obviously points us to Christ and and to the Lord, who obviously will always listen and, and loves us as as broken people that we are and forgives us in his name i thought there was a lot of reality here as well so pastor right now we need to take our break however i want to touch more on that as we move to verse five after our break we are studying ecclesiastes chapter seven with pastor curtis dieterding and we'll be right back These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. And welcome back. We are studying Ecclesiastes chapter three with Pastor, excuse me, chapter seven. Where am I at here? With Pastor Curtis Dieterding of Zion Lutheran Church in Fort Myers, Florida. And Pastor, we're on verse five, and there's, I mean, there's a lot to still unpack. And so I wanted to, to just dig into verse five, but also I wanted to find out anything else you wanted to highlight in those first four verses. I, I, I really feel that those first four verses actually. Um, all, all really connected together when it comes to the idea of mourning and laughter. I mean, you could see that from uh, right, right in the in verse one, and how it's connected with the beginning of life, end of life, life itself as we're living it, you know, from day to day. Um, it's just really interesting uh, how it covers a lot of ground in just those four, in those four verses. Yeah, as that lays the groundwork, I think that really goes into verse five in a beautiful way. Mm-hmm. So let, let's hear verse 5. It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. Now, now here, this, this reminds me that almost all of us, even if we try to tell people that we want your advice or we want to hear your thoughts, we don't necessarily want your wisdom because we won't, I, I know I would rather have your flattery because the flattery makes me feel good for the moment. But then sure. those who have, given me the rebuke or given me advice or directed me in the right way, that has bore a lot more fruit, even if it wasn't something I enjoyed at the moment. So, Pastor, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think these are times in our life when we hear somebody tell us something, and usually it's it's a hard it's a hard thing that they've told us. You know, they've 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 told us something that's very difficult for, to to tell us. You know, and uh, immediately we, we we probably think in our head, well, who do they think they are? You know, or or well, that's that's their opinion. We you know sometimes we take wisdom and we we get very defensive in a hurry, and we think that um, you know. I don't want to have anything to do with them again. And then you and then you think through what it is that they've said and and sometimes we even know they're right. Right away we know they're right, but because it was coming from them. You know what I'm saying? It's it's right. hard. 
and, and you know it's a word of wisdom, and it and it might be from somebody that's not really that wise, you know, in your eyes or in anybody's eyes, but that piece that came to you was very wise if you uh, if you if you would take it as one who is wise and actually hear it and actually actually not and hearing in this sense I understand to be hearing and then reacting and, and acting upon it, you know, and that's, that's when, uh, that's when it's better for you is if you can actually utilize it in such a way that, um, uh, you know, it, it becomes a good thing for you in your life. And it's interesting that the, the words hear the song of fools, I'm reminded of siren, you know, in Greek mythology, that it's just like this beautiful song. And you, boy, that's just beautiful. I just can't believe it. And the whole time you're just being completely read, led astray from what you should be doing. Um, it sounds beautiful. It's kind of like uh, something that tastes so great, but is horrible for you as far as your health. But yet that's what we want because, boy, it sure tastes good in, in the short term. But long term, it can be a disaster. So I think we all can relate with this. And uh, first of all, we hope we're not giving songs of foolishness to people, that another form of repentance, but also for us to seek out, um, re, not even rebuke, but advice or, or guidance and words from wise people. And we know, as you said, the Lord will provide that. Anything else mm-hmm. in verse 5? Well, it's hard to take wisdom whenever you're so foolish, you know. <laughs> it's hard to <laughs> see it and true. hear it, and, and it is. It just is. It, it just is. In verse 6, I think, really gives a great visual, especially if you're a person who likes bonfires. Oh, yeah. uh, if you like that summer fire, this one really hit home for me. It's a great visual. Verse 6. For as a crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fools. This also is vanity. So verse 6 kind of brings us to this whole understanding of um, the house of mirth and the laughter as opposed to sorrow. And, and it used crackling thorns, which is interesting. <laughs> and if you know fires, I mean, you lived in Minnesota. You had some fires in your day. So, oh, yeah. so tell us about this. What is, what is Solomon saying? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's really – that is a very interesting passage because it's like, uh, you know, if you know anything about thorn bushes or thorns or thorn – I remember we had thorn trees. I, I don't know what the trees were called, but they had thorns in the trees, and they would be in, they would be in, the, uh, in the mix sometimes. And, uh, and I think the crackling of thorns is, is to try and get us to understand that, um, you know, there is this quick, this quick burning, so quick that it's probably not going to be good for uh, trying to cook whatever's in that pot because mm-hmm. it doesn't burn as well. Thorns just don't burn as well as wood that's uh, condensed and uh, can last, you know, the embers last a whole lot longer. And, uh, and so I, I think it's talking about, so is the laughter of fools. It's, it's short-lived, you know. Okay, just like what you just said, you know, you, you had a conversation with someone, you had a lot of laughs, and then you walk away and you go, wow, I don't, I don't know what the substance of all that was, you know. So it's, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And it's and vanity, that's you know, that's, that's the thing. This is also, this also is vanity. So it's like worthless, you know. What's what's worth something is something that's got substance and that will last and, and not the, you know, not the foolish uh, talk that we can have. And, uh, you know, I, I think you put it like, t- like trivial. Um, I can't remember what you said at the very beginning of the show, but pithy, 
I think it was the word. Pithy. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. these, pithy. all these pithy sayings. You know, it's like, well, you know, what what good is all of that for us? Uh, have we learned anything? Um, you know, have we become wiser ourselves, or are we are we just still mingling with the foolishness of the world and, and those around us? I think about a few a few situations here. Number one, I want to reiterate, laughter is not bad. I mean, we're laughing here in the program all the time because it's it's a joy to be in the Lord with fellow pastors and you, our listeners. For me, it's just this is a joyous time. So we're not trying to say laughter is bad, but there there is a there is a point where okay. This is not the time to laugh. And this goes into Ecclesiastes 3. You know, there's, there's a time for everything. And at the same time, um, that you do see how laughter doesn't mean happiness necessarily. You see a lot of very famous comedians who, who died of drug overdose, Chris Farley being one, John Belushi being another, is that you see that and you realize that it was like a crackling of, of thorns in a fire. At the same time, it sounds productive. You know, you, you, if you put thorns or you put leaves or whatever into the fire, I love having fires. I just, I just love it. You go in the backyard, have a fire. And if you put in a few leaves, you can't just sit back and relax. You got to put in the oak or put in the maple or put in the, the other trees. And when you put those suckers in, you can sit and relax forever because it's productive. Good for cooking, good for, good for heat, good for all of that because it's long-lasting. And what better way for us to think about God's Word, that God's Word is everlasting. It's, it's meant to be, um, um, uh, that you, it's everlasting as it speaks about that the Word of the Lord endures forever kind of language. How can we not see from this that He's clearly pointing us to the, the everlastingness of God's Word, uh, because that is not vanity, but to try to find our hope alone in laughter or something along those lines is, is no different than the sounds of, of leaves burning up quickly. So any last thoughts on that? No, I think, I think that was covered well. I think that was said very well too. So, All um, right. Verse, this next uh, verse, it's a little, little bit tricky. And uh, <laughs> this, this keeps is, coming, I'm doesn't gonna tell, it? I'm going to tell you, this is the most challenging verse for me. So All right. I'm so still, let's get I'm to still it kind of a little lost with it. So all right, verse 7, we will uh, look to some commentaries at the same time. Verse 7. <laughs> okay. Surely oppression drives the wise into madness, and a bribe corrupts the heart. Well, I'm assuming the last part is not that confusing to you. A bribe corrupts yeah, the heart. The first, Let's start it's there. It's the first part. It's the, it's the word oppression. You know, yeah. what, what's exactly, what's, what is that? You know, what, what's exactly being talked about? What's being oppressed here? Um, is it our spirit? Is it uh, because of the repentance we've had? Um, and, and how is it? How is it that it drives us to madness? I mean, that's an that is an interesting statement right there. Bribe corrupts the heart. We know that. I mean, that's that's not that's pretty self-explanatory. But it's that first part that uh, is kind of challenging. So now so, I'm going to just be. Uh, I'm just going to pretend to be the host for just a second. I'm going to ask you. <laughs> so what did you discover? And <laughs> I love it. What did you come it. up with on this one? So it, it's funny, you know that those are the moments I get like, "Well, wait a second here. That's not my vocation. What's going on?" And this one, and it really did, because the last part is very clear. 
you all of us know if someone kind of gives you give a tit for tat type of situation or you give this i'll do this i'll scratch your back you scratch mine we realize how that can just be an unending circle that leads to more and more sins that you just sin more in order to cover up your past sins and and this is where you're no longer looking at the need of your neighbor you're no longer looking at trusting in god you're looking at how to make a deal all the time now, Dr. Bolhagen, in his, his uh, commentary, translated verse 7 differently than what we see here today. Is He says, indeed, the gain from ex- ex- extortion makes a wise man a fool, and okay. a bribe destroys a heart. And I looked at his Hebrew, and you know, I'm, I'm by no means a Hebrew guy, but definitely it is justifiable in how he translated this is that the gain from extortion makes a wise man a fool. Mm, And mm. that one makes a lot more sense to me as as you read it, is that understanding of when there is, um, when things are being forcibly taken from the oppressed, it it takes a wise person and makes them into a fool. Because no longer is this being done in a a way that is service to the neighbor. I don't know, your your thoughts as, as we look at that? Well, that that seems to be a, a lot better translation than what we've got here, because because I mean I would have had to have dug into a commentary on that one to uh, to really look right. look into that, and I and I didn't do my homework on that one uh, uh, because of the uh, that's a tough one because of the foolish uh, way in which I've used my time. No, <laughs> I just I just didn't, no, right, I just yeah, didn't right, have right. time to get into that uh, that actual. Uh, depth with the uh, word study on that, but that's I'm glad that you uh, that you did, and that's that's wonderful to hear. Yeah. Well, and it is it is, it, and it makes sense when you connect it to the second part, because not every one of these verses gives a okay. Here's one part. Here's another part. This one clearly has a continuing theme in throughout the whole verse. Was that understanding of the oppression when there's oppression that happens to others and you take that money or whatever it might be and you see that oppression, but keeps you going. It not only gives you kind of a hard heart, it gives you a hard heart, but also it it just causes you to to not have comfort in your soul because you're just doing everything under the table. You're not able to really trust in the Lord anymore. You're trusting in yourself. And you never feel the comfort that we we have from the Lord. So it, it even if you look at the Lutheran Study Bible, which we use a lot here on this program um, from CPH, th- doesn't even have a footnote for verse seven. So I think it is a very troubling verse to try to figure out for people. So um, yeah, so I think we're we're well within realm. But the way that Dr. Bolhagen uh, lays that out, I think, is a beautiful way. So any other thoughts on verse seven? I thought those were very wise words. I think you kind of covered that well. So, so let's just get, let's just you, get on to verse 8. No. <laughs> That's right. Thank you, Dr. Bolhagen. Verse 8. Right. Verse eight. Better is the end of a thing that it's, than its beginning, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. I have, to, I have to admit, this is, you know, you might not have liked verse 7. Verse 8 was one that I really liked digging into, but I want to hear your thoughts first, because I think there's a lot, there is a lot of wisdom packed into this one verse. Yeah, I would have to say that um, that reminds me of the softball game that I played last night, you know, that 
the the end was much better than the beginning because the whole game just went south right from the beginning and it just never got better. And so just, I was thinking this could come to an end any time and I would be fine with it. I'm ready to go home. And uh, right. and it, it says something about patience too. Uh, but no, and and I think you know when we're looking at this, you know, I think boy, this is so true in a lot of things in life. Um, you know, it's, it's even hard sometimes to start a thing, you know, than it is to to end something. Um, and and you know, I even think in terms of okay, so when something comes to an end, and you look at it and you go. Was it a good end or a bad end? It, it all, sometimes, in a lot of cases, it doesn't matter which it is because it's just we're still rejoicing. It's over, you know, if it was bad or if right. it was good. And it's just this makes a lot of sense actually. And then the patient in in spirit is better than uh, the proud in spirit. Um, I, I think you know it's just this whole idea of of just being patient is just very challenging for all of us. I think in a world that's not very patient and uh in a world that's that's generally proud um so it's just really this has just got so much meat in it i mean we could really uh, really think of a lot of probably examples uh for this as well it, it's proven in in many ways because like you said the patience piece really um points us to the law you know like oh my gosh i know i'm not patient whatsoever um but we'd also see patience as a fruit of the spirit in Galatians chapter five. So we see this as a gift. So whenever we do have patience, thanks be to God, when we're impatient, Lord, help us to be patient. The beginning, there's a lot of wisdom there. And I see it in this way. It is really easy to begin something new, not easy, but it's, there's a joy in that, you know, you're like, I'm going to start this new program, or I'm going to start this new, or I'm going to move somewhere new. That, that is, I mean, there's just so much excitement to that. There's so much to that. Um, But the end is, is quite troubling, but that requires the most patience and ultimately will bear the most fruit, not the most fruit, but it will bear fruit. The Lord will be there with it. I see that in, in stopping something in a church that you've done for years that requires a lot of patience and it requires someone to do it, not with pride, but with patience. The same way a church closes, there's a lot of grief, you know, as we sell, as you celebrate 50 years, there's other churches that are closing. And so that requires a certain amount of patience and, and, and love and care and the right people to be in the right place. And so the Lord works through that as well. Here, I really do find that he is showing the need for people to step up in those times you need to end things, as well as people stepping up when things are new as well. Because who do we trust at the end of it? The Lord in either way. So other yeah. thoughts you have on this? Yeah, yeah I think that's a, that's a great way to say it. You know, what, what, are, we, what are we going to see in the long run? It, you know, the Lord's hand is working through it all no matter what. And that's, I think that's what it's saying here, too. So verse 9, we'll keep, we'll keep moving on because it's kind of the same, same mentality. Verse 9, be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the bosom of fools. Now, we go from a lack of patience to anger. So, okay, so how are we doing here? What, verse 9, what do you have? Wow. I mean, this is, this is a very powerful verse, um, and I know all of us have experienced this somewhere along the line. Uh, especially when we get angry in a relationship, you know, with someone, um, you know, you get anger, you get angry if because of something they've said that's been very hurtful, that they've sinned against you, or you know, whatever it happens to be, 
And a lot of times our minds go into, um, I'd like to give them a piece of my mind. I'm going to get revenge. I'm going to, I'll show them. I'm never going to, I'm not going to be in this relationship with them anymore. Whatever it is that people choose instead of, you know, how can I show Jesus? How can I show uh, humility in this in this in this relationship at this point? Where where can I actually uh, make changes to in myself? And wh- how have I contributed to this mess? I mean, there's a lot of things we could be doing that would be a lot wiser than to do the things that would be foolish, um, which would actually. Mm-hmm. You know, prolong that division and, and cut that relationship off. I think this is a very powerful verse and and so deeply true um, that if you hang on to your that's what it's saying. I mean, if you hang on to your your anger, you know, you're a fool. You're a fool because all it's going to do is just make things worse. Um, if you're if you're if you're not quick in your spirit to become angry and 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 try to hold back, you know, and and really step back and look at what's going on. Uh, you know, nine times out of ten, you're going to be able to see clearly, you know, uh, what's going on and, and how that situation can be resolved through, uh, you know, again, with repentance and confession and, and, and grace and mercy. Um, and, and it makes it for a whole lot better life to live with one another in that whole forgiveness uh, life. Because, all again, all the garbage is kind of swept away. And not kind of, it is swept away out of that relationship uh, if there's honestly uh, forgiveness that's been given there. But it starts with anger, a lot of times just just lodged and, and held held on to. You know? And this is where Paul warns us, do not let the sun set on your anger. Um, you know, James talks about anger as well, the danger of anger, no matter how righteous it may be, there, there's a lot of danger there. And so he's definitely laying that out, how quick we become angry. And this goes back to the reputation, right? I mean, you can you can be calm your whole life, and then one moment you get a little bit angry, and boom, it can be lost. It's like, right. a, it's like a, 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 something lodged in the bosom of fools. And then you're like, oh, my goodness. Then I'm a fool because there's times that gets just lodged you know, right in your in your windpipe after you eat something or something like that, and it's really hard to get rid of. Which is once again, who who gives us a new heart? The Lord does. So we got to keep moving forward here, Pastor. We're we're about five, about six minutes left in our time. So verse ten, I want to get to this one especially. Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it's not from wisdom that you ask this. Now, Pastor, how many times in ministry or in your own life, people will say, remember how much better it used to be? Or remember the, quote, good old days? And here he's saying, and and a lot of times they're from people that I deeply respect and have a lot of wisdom for. And I probably say it to my own kids. But here he's saying, that's not of wisdom. Why is he saying that? Yeah, well, let's make America great again. You know, I mean, it's like, I mean, we're, we do we do this everywhere. It's everywhere. You know, oh, there's nothing like the good old days. You know, we we live like that in our churches. I mean, in our church families, uh, we want things the way they used to be. You know, oh, pastor, you know, we used to do this, and this was so much better back in the day. How come we can't be doing that now? It's it, we hear this a lot. We want to live in the past. 
instead of actually living where we need to live right now, and that's right now and into the future, you know, looking ahead as well. And so, I, yeah, I, I, I like this that, that saying for that very reason. You know, what we need to do, and I think the second part really says that, for it is not from wisdom that you ask this, because if you're asking about the former days in your mind, uh, we need to grow from our past. You know, we need to look back at our past. That's what the wise person does. If you're going to ask about the past and how things were back then, um, grow from the from the things that were were healthy in your relationships and so forth in the past, and and grow as you move forward into the future. I think that's at least that's what I've I've got. You know, I think you're living in the mm-hmm. past instead of living now and seeing where God wants to to go with you uh, right now today. So. And that's as we look at this, is that understanding that God worked then, and he continues to work today for Romans 8. Right. You know, we do not, for, and we know that those who love God, God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And that totally just brings us to that reality that God worked then, and guess what? He's going to work now. How is he calling me to serve, to look to him, and once again, to have that new heart in Christ? I'm going to do this, Pastor. I'm going to read the rest of our verses, and I want you to um, highlight what you found, and I'll highlight what I found, and then you were going to bring it all back to review the whole thing. So 11, 12, and 13, I'll read. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, an advantage to those who see the sun. For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money, and the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. Consider the work of God who can make straight what he has made crooked. So what do you want to highlight in those verses? I mean, you could highlight about eight things, but what, what first comes to mind <laughs> that you want to highlight? I will try to keep it short. So in <laughs> verse 11, uh, wisdom, um, I like it. There's other translations of this that uh, I think are, are easier to actually understand what is meant by these words. Wisdom is good with, with an inheritance. Um, it can also be tr- translated... In, as you know, good as an inheritance, it can also be translated as wisdom is as good as an inheritance. So if you look at it mm. in those terms, I mean, you you surely can see that this is something we want to inherit. This is this is what we need is wisdom. There's nothing better than true wisdom. Verse twelve um, for the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money. Wisdom is always better, better than any possession, any money. We've heard that that theme kind of going all all the way through here. Second part of verse mm. twelve. Uh, you know, wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. Uh, there's nothing greater to possess than than true wisdom, which is uh, really knowing God's providence, knowing God's uh, love and grace and mercy that he has for us in Christ Jesus uh, for a future blessing. And then verse 13, uh, I, I do have a couple notes here. Um, consider the work of God. Just, you know, he can make straight what he's made crooked. Just know that God is in charge. He is the one who's always uh, overseeing everything in our life, and, and the one who's wise, you know, starts at at putting all faith, all trust in God. There you go. And that's and wonderfully done, wonderfully done. And, and to look at it in the last part, consider the work of God, because he's God and you are not. So, Pastor, with about a minute left, as you look at all these verses, there's so much to unpack, but do you have any main themes, or how would you summarize this, uh, these 13 verses for us today? 
I think it's better to have wisdom than to be a fool. <laughs> that is the moral of these of these thirteen verses, you know. And it's it's really trying to understand what good, you know, what spiritual wisdom is. I, I really believe it's talking about that, and it's trying to push us away from the worldly uh, understanding of these things, and really helping us to try and pull us into seeing that, uh, you know, true wisdom does start in that relationship that we have with God, and, and uh, you know, repentance is extremely important uh, in our lives, in daily repentance, as, as Martin Luther says, you know, our, our lives should be that of, of daily repentance, so... That's what I. That's what I Pastor, have as a kind of a bottom line. And Pastor, you know what a joy to be able to go through this with you today, Pastor Curtis Dieterding of Zion Lutheran Church in Fort Myers, Florida. Not only preaching God's word, but still playing softball in those days. But taking time <laughs> away from that to pray God's strong word of wisdom from Ecclesiastes chapter seven, Pastor Dieterding, thank you for bringing us God's gifts. And it's always a joy here as well. Thank you. <laughs> Saints of, a Lord, saints of our Lord, there is the wise and there are the fools. We always pray that we're wise, but the more we look at God's word, we realize that we are foolish in the ways that we go, um, that we are like thorns under a pot crackling. We sound productive, but we're not, which is why we are to take a step back, to listen, to look to his word, for in Christ, he is not only gives us wisdom, but he is wisdom incarnate. So as he tells us at the end, consider the work of God. He is God, and you are not. And that is our hope, and that is our wisdom. Lord, help us to be wise. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.